Oh, control your mind, control your life. Think different theory, baby. That's what we do. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Think Different Theory. My name is Josh Forty, and we have an exciting episode uh, for you here today. I'm about to bring on our guest here in just a second, but I wanted to prep this episode a little bit here because my next guest is very business focused. My next guest is a business owner, seven figure business owner, which is a million dollars. And uh, on this t uh, episode, we're actually going to get super, super tactical. Um, I'm going to, we're going to dive deep into the strategies of how to build a business and uh, really what you should be focusing on. So without further ado, I'm going to bring on my guest here. Um, he told me how to pronounce his name. Guys, if there's one thing that everybody probably knows about me by now is that I suck at pronouncing people's names. It is like literally probably one of my greatest weaknesses as a podcast interview. So let me see if I can remember this. Is it, um, I want to say Rahul, but that's not correct. That is perfect, my man. That's Rahul, it. look at you that. Got I got it. What's <laughs> up? Let's go. Uh, Rahul, welcome to Think Different Theory. Thank you so much for coming on here, dude. Hey, thanks for having me here. I'm excited for this, man. It's been a minute since I've been able to um, kind of get real tactical with business, uh, with somebody it's, you know, as 2020 has been an interesting year and it was like, we start out 2020 where I'm, I'm more focused on like mindset related stuff. And then the pandemic hits and it was like, all right, we kind of cut interviews out almost entirely for like 30, 40 episodes. And I just went solo and was like, all right, guys, like, here's how to set up your business to like, make it through this. And we, uh, did some case studies. Um, I brought, couple of different offline businesses online and talked a lot about the process of that shifting from the offline to the online space. And then, um, back, I think it was August ish timeframe, uh, is when we kind of shifted back towards interviews, but then it was, I kind of got away from business a little bit, kind of got a little political. Um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not afraid to voice my opinion. And so a lot of, you know, Trump talk, Biden talk, politics talk, kind of things like that. And then post the election, we've kind of shifted back towards, uh, traditional interviews and kind of, th you know, things related to that. I, the, the podcast very much kind of follows my journey. But one thing that we haven't done in a while, I'm very, very excited about is um, talking about business, talking about like the tactical, practical steps that people can make and really diving down in the nitty gritty of what it takes to build a million dollar business. And, uh, you know, going through your intake form here with everything, you've been in marketing for uh, 15 years, had a marketing agency for 15 years, always had over a million dollar a year run rate. Um, you closed a multi-million dollar a year account, which is fantastic. So you got a lot of experience. You've hung out with people like uh, Billy Jean, David v Bishop, uh, Jim Cathcart. I actually don't know uh, about him, but sounds like some pretty cool people here. So welcome in. I want to give you some time just to give us a little bit about your background, how you got into this and uh, introduce yourself. Yeah, thanks for that, Josh. Like I got into this all by pure mistake. Uh, when I was when I started my agency, this small company called Facebook never existed. So I was sitting behind a desk at a company called Realtor.com. And that was a blessing in disguise because when I first interviewed there, the company was called Home Store. That was the corporate name. And I honestly didn't even look them up. I didn't even bother to look. And I thought it was just an online furniture store. And I didn't know what I'd be doing there. So I just showed up and I get to the interview. And it looks like a boiler room style interview because there's over 100 people just sitting there like waiting in the parking lot. And this is a big company. They're not small. They're publicly traded. And um, it's realtor.com is the is the brand I ended up working for. But I called my HR girl and I'm like, hey, I'm leaving. I don't I don't feel good about this. And she convinced me to stay. Next thing you know, I, I go through a series of five interviews. One of the interviews was or one of the guys said, here's a pen. Sell me this pen. I no way. He legit. Yeah. No freaking way. <laughs> yeah, I swear. It's like it the was, cheesiest was, thing to do ever. Yeah, it was pretty funny. But but yeah. So after that interview, 
um, the main guy just said, hey, what time do you want to start, 6 a.m. or 9 a.m.? And uh, that's how my career started. I was <clears throat> There was about 120 people on the sales floor, and about three months into it, it was just approaching Christmas. I thought I was going to get fired because you're supposed to close about 30 grand a month off cold calling and working your book of business. And uh, I probably closed, I think I closed $2,000 at best over 90 days. So Dang. I was $88,000 before quota. And a couple of my classmates that joined me in that, that small group, only like eight or 10 of us got hired. Um, a couple of them got fired already and they were ahead of me. So I was just expecting the same. And then what, something just flipped the switch. I just got that aha moment. And uh, I learned how to sell and it just was $5,000 days were just a regular thing. Um, and then I, I came All right, hold on. Talk. I have to pause yeah. you. I have two questions. One, yeah. did you choose 6 a.m. or 9 a.m.? I chose 6 a.m. so I can actually get off at 3 p.m. so I can do a side hustle after 3 p.m. Okay, that's my man right there. Guys, <laughs> in life, if you are ever given the option of 6 a.m. or 9 a.m. and it makes no difference, choose the earlier time. You get off early, you have your whole life then, or the rest of your day to get stuff done. Exactly. exactly. Second question, what what are you selling where you're making $5,000 days? Because this is 15 years ago. Yeah, so we were selling um, the Realtor.com marketing system. So okay. we had a suite of products, like three core products and a couple ancillary products that we, we offered to agents. And I mean, they ranged anywhere really low price. Some of them were 149 bucks, some were 100 grand. So we had, uh, but we still had the same quota. We still have the same leads. We still have the same real estate database as everybody on the floor. So, so, so you were cold calling people, mm -hmm. and did you ever try to cold call someone some one hundred thousand dollar product? No, not out the gates, just because I knew it won't work. The only way right. I ever do a high ticket right out the gates is if I went into one of the most competitive markets like Manhattan, New York, or, or Boston, Massachusetts, because you know that they can be triggered by competition, not really the value. So those right. are the only times you ever, like you had to be prepared for that. And you had to have a really solid in and a pitch that was very, very fast, caught their attention and their hook. And then you can actually sell them on these products. You just didn't leave a price. So... <clears throat> And I want to continue your story here, but what would you say is the biggest miss? Okay, because one of the, the, the kind of the angle I want to go with this and where I really want to settle in on is I want to help convince people that they can go make money right now, right? Like a lot of people, they've lost their jobs or they lost their businesses or they're shifting careers or they're having to make major changes. And like this idea of leaving uh, what they know, whether by choice or by force, and going in to, to build a business or going into sales of some sort, that is this long process that's going to take them forever before they can have traction. And don't get me wrong, like business and sales, like learning them and mastering them is a forever process. It never ends, right? But like, uh, what would you say is the biggest misconception about cold calling and about sales that you um, found in your time when you were doing the cold calls there? That it doesn't work. I mean, it absolutely 100% mm. works. I mean, if you don't have people coming to you, you can't just sit on your hands. You have to go where they are. And the fastest, easiest way to do that is go cold call. Because if you don't have money to spend on it, you can't do ads or advertising. You may be able to partner with some friends or family and sell them on your vision and say, hey, give me 10 or 20 grand to have a realistic budget over the next 90 days to really crush it. But I would just go out and don't think of it as a cold call. Just think of yourself and psych yourself out because that's probably what it is. It's probably your mindset of what somebody would perceive you to be when you don't even know that answer yourself. Yeah. So don't judge yourself. Just become a phone actor and really kind of think of yourself as somebody else while you're making those calls.
Okay, I, I absolutely love what you said there, and I actually want to t- dive on that a little bit more. P- like, I think one of the biggest problems with people having success today, and the reason they're scared of success or scared of failure or whatever, is they're worried about, like they project a story that isn't true on themselves because they think that's what somebody else is gonna think about them. Dude, like, you know that. what I mean? Yeah, 100%. I mean, everybody's trying to appease somebody else in my opinion. And I don't wanna blanket everybody into that, but yeah, they, they wanna tell a story through somebody else's lens. Yeah, and it's like, if I, if I think, or if I'm projecting on myself that the person on the other end of the phone isn't gonna like the fact that I'm calling to try to sell them something, like automatically by default, right out of the gates, I've already set myself up for failure. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you, and I see so many people doing that, whether it's, whether they're doing their first webinar, or they're doing their first sales calls, or you know their first cold calling, or their first whatever, like whatever it is, the first time they do it or the fifth time they do it, they're projecting this story and it like, it freezes them. And like, I always go into something assuming that, like I prepare for the worst case scenario, but I assume the best. Like I, I assume that like, if I'm going to cold call someone that like, I'm the answer to their prayers, right? Because if like you go in with that assumption, how much easier would that make a sales call? If you just assumed that you were the answer to somebody's prayer. Yeah. I mean, you'd have the confidence number one, and number two, you'd probably be better on the phones what comes out of your mouth from the beginning to the end. Yeah. Um, and people on the other side would also probably perceive it to be true as well with your confidence. Um, and don't get me wrong. It's not always fun. It's not always <laughs> no. hanging the phones 100 times in a day. Every stage <clears throat> has a different um, way of generating business for themselves. Some people that are seven-figure earners are still cold calling. More power to them. That's just what they like to do. Maybe stockbrokers. Um, other people have the digital savvy to be able to do webinars and do interviews like this and get their message projected all over uh, the internet so it can turn into some form of revenue. So whatever whatever channel you choose, just practice your craft just like an athlete because you will ultimately get good if you start practicing, role playing, um, no matter what the scenario is. Because whenever I'm doing like a webinar, I'll just send it out to 10 people that I know and I'll just say, hey, I want to do a beta webinar run on you. And then just as we go, don't interrupt me. I'll do natural breaks and I'll ask you guys for feedback. And then just tell me where I was unclear, where you think yeah. I could have sold you, where you think I should have slowed down. And I just get feedback loops because I, I don't feel bad or embarrassed. I want to actually get good so this can actually go sell to the marketplace. And if I make sales and if I help somebody and that person makes more money than before they met me, then I've done good. Everybody wins. Yeah. And, and this idea of feedback loops, I think is incredibly important because like nobody, ex- like I think the most delusional thing that somebody can think of is that they're going to be good at something the first time they do it. And yeah. what was interesting is I think that like, I think this is a, a big reason why a lot of talented people end up doing stuff that they hate for their whole life. Because imagine you grew up, I don't know, let's imagine you grew up a football player, right? You walked on, you're the starting quarterback in middle school. You walked on in high school, you're starting quarterback. You know, you're just good at football, right? You're naturally a- athletic. You're naturally talented. You get into college. Maybe you're not the walk-on. Maybe you're not the starter. But, I mean, you know, maybe not the first-round you know, first round starter, but you, you play there. You're naturally good at catching. You're naturally doing all the good at this. You don't go to the NFL because you realize, okay, talent isn't going to get you all the way. And then you try to enter the workforce. You try to enter the sales game. You try to enter, you know, some other thing. And all of a sudden, it doesn't come naturally to you right away. And you're like, 
oh my gosh, I must suck at this, right? And it's like, I think that that right there is a reason a lot of people quit and that a lot of people don't end up getting where they want to go in life because they assume that they should be naturally good at it. And if they're naturally good at it, that then that that's what's going to be the thing that's going to take off for them. And I'm like, um, I'm really good at sales, right? When I do sales my way. But I also did, I had my own experience cold calling. I actually did cold door-to-door. I did door-to-door sales for businesses, right? So I sold the businesses door-to-door. And I went, I think I did five or 600 business um, is for one summer. I, I went and knocked on five or 600 business doors, made one sale the whole summer, right? Like that was how I started with my sales journey, right? And I'm like, I'm, I mean, I've closed millions of dollars in sales now, but like it started with 500 doors one summer and making one sale for a couple grand. And you're like, okay, this is the starting point. You know what I mean? Yeah, hundred percent. I'm glad you brought that up. The athlete analogy, because I still have friends that talk about their heydays in high school and college and whatnot. Yeah. And it's time to it's time to get over it and kind of put that channel and that energy and that skill set into something really good that you really like and and can do. But the the door knocking, I commend you on that. Even even the cold calling, um, I think that's how you get your your teeth grinded um, because it just puts a little different emphasis of like grind or hustle behind you or you can call a complete stranger that's not expecting the call and presumably doesn't ever want that call. Um, and then having a negotiation where they become a customer of yours. I think that's kind of like, I encourage people cold calling cause that's really where you can get really good feedback loops where if people cold calling are saying no, imagine if you can address those when you're talking to warm leads, those right. Points, I mean, man, you're it only gets easier. Like cold <laughs> yeah. calling or door knocking is like bottom of the barrel sales, right? It is like the yeah. lowest barrier to entry. Well, exactly. lowest barrier to get started, a hardest, like anything from there. Like people are like, Josh, how do you close $10,000 sales or $15,000 sales or $50,000 sales? I'm like, I didn't just go up to the door and knock on it, right? Like it mm-hmm. warmed up. It went through a nurture sequence. It went through and I can close those in 30 minutes. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like that, that's not difficult when you have all that, but like, you think of, you think of big data right now, right? Like you think of the uh, data was, I think it was last year or either last year or 2018 where data became the biggest commodity in the world. It surpassed oil, right? Uh, as the big, most valuable thing. Right. And so you look at these big data companies and Amazon and Facebook or whatever. And it's like, what is the thing that has made them so great? It's data, right? They have the data. They have the understanding of what to put, where, what to say, how to say it, how to convince you to go from here to here to here. And they just have massive loads of data. When you're starting in the sales game, you literally have zero data. Like you have zero, right? You've never made a sales call before. You've never made a close call. You you have no idea what objections work. You've never talked to your customer before, right? And it's like, okay, that first knock, hey, my name is blah, blah, blah. And I'm selling, slam. All right, guess that, you know, that didn't work, right? And that's like one piece of data. And like the more you do it over and over and over and over and over again, all of a sudden, that's when you start to get this data and feedback back. And so it's like, you know, for a Grant Cardone level, you know, salesperson, love the guy or hate the guy. I mean, he's brilliant at sales, right? Like that guy has done it so many times. He's heard just about every single objection he could possibly hear about his product, right? There's nothing that's going to come out that he's going to be like, oh gosh, I've never heard that before. I don't know how to handle that. No, he's done it a million times. And so I think that in the sales game, especially, I mean, entrepreneurship in general, but particularly the sales game, like the best thing you can do is just go out there and get started because like the money's already moving. People are already spending it. You know what I mean? 
Oh yeah. Um, because like whenever I, I see like young entrepreneurs or even experienced ones and they're focusing on, in my opinion, the wrong thing, they're focusing on making the perfect widget, the perfect automation email sequence, and they don't have a client to plug it in. in. But I can tell you this, that stuff is going to break. It's not going to work. It's not going to be as perfect as you think because it's a hypothetical scenario. The first and foremost thing is go get traffic and go get customers, go get in front of people, hang out where they hang out. Whether it's, well, I guess right now with a, I'm in California, so there's another shutdown here. Um, you can cold call and you can go on other Facebook groups. You can hop in other people's webinars and start live commenting. There's a lot of things that you can do right now that's really, really simple to do where you can reach people at mass scale or one-to-one -one scale with cold calling. I mean, you can come up with a, with a COVID-19 fund for marketing and give them a discount on the front end and bill them on the back end, just like mortgages are doing. They're basically saying, hey, we'll, we'll help you but they're really not helping them. They're just stacking it on the back end. Um, you can do the same thing, get creative out there with how to get in front of the customer. Like what? what is, like who is the audience here? Is it experienced people? Is it newer people? Is it a blend of everything? Um, it's a blend now more so than ever before. Just, oh, we had a, we had a couple videos go viral. Well, we had one video go huh. mega viral. Um, got, got over a million views on it and uh, it brought in a bunch of traffic, which that one was a little bit more, it was about, child sex trafficking and and the political spectrum and things. So we have we have a, a good blend of people, but the core audience I say we're talking to here is um, like the entrepreneur, they're committed to entrepreneurship. Like, I mean, they're, they're definitely in this, right? And like, they might be newer to the game, but like, it's not like they're like, I wonder if entrepreneurship's for me or not. And they're gonna flake out after the first one. Like they're committed to this. Right. And they're, okay. you know, you know, a beginning entrepreneur all the way up to, I would say like er, early seven figure, like maybe seven figure run rate, you know, entrepreneur type of person um, is is probably the, the the type of person we're talking to here. And most of them are either in the online space or have a, an interest to come on in that online space because of everything that's going on with COVID right now and the stupidity of our politicians. Yeah. OK. OK. So I'm going to at the end, I'm going to give away something like a little funnel map that people can use to kind of nice. diagram like their offers to get to get clients. And this can use an, you'd be used in any medium, whether it's calling, whether it's uh, advertising on Facebook, YouTube, Google, whatever. It's just a simple funnel map. And like what got me to simplify it. And, and I use this exact same slide that I'm going to share with everybody. And it helps me close deals that are $9,000, $20,000, $30,000 month deals, just using this one slide. Because once I've built the rapport of the client, and I'm not a one call closer all the time. There's maybe a rare, like the, it's rare a one call close occurs unless they've consumed a ton of content before they met right. me. Um, or they were warmed up or referred to us. So it's the context of the person. Rarely do we have a one call close. Um, but but this will help you develop that trust so you can contrast yourself from your company to somebody else, no matter what you're selling. We use it for our digital marketing agency. So the way I've tailored it is for that subject matter. Uh, but when you see it and get a copy of it, then you can use it and tailor your own presentation, your own pitch or create your own. So you can send it to your own clients as you start to prospect or use it as a video on YouTube and send it in, a, in an email before you guys hop on a call or put it on your Facebook channel and pin it to the top. So there's different things you can do with this to get your audience warmed up and ready mm. to talk to you beforehand. So you're kind of warming them up. So they're they're really kind of pre-vetted. Um, so when you get on the call, if they have watched this piece of content, the, the subject matter of your call may be a little bit different than them trying to control the call and interview you out the gate. Whereas they may say, hey, I saw the video, that seems interesting. And now they're asking about how you guys can possibly work together. Yeah. Well, 
Uh, man, there's so much I want to talk to you on that. Okay, I want to go back really quickly. Condense down the story. Speed, speed us up to where like you you have your own business now because I want to get tactical with you. Yeah. Uh, sales calls about building a seven figure agency and and like everything that kind of goes into that. So you're at realtor.com. You're making your five thousand dollar day sales days. Like speed up the process. Where do you where do you now go and become your own business? <clears throat> like yeah. So one of my buddies that was really good sat across from me and he's like, hey, let's let's start a company. And I'm like, okay, let's think of an idea. And I'm like, I don't know what it's going to be, but I want the name to be Success Marketing Solutions. <laughs> like, so we literally <laughs> have the name. <laughs> we literally have the name. I bought the domain name. And then we filed a DB, or the, the corporation filings. Um, and then we came up with the DBA custom creators a little bit later. But um, but anyways, we, we came up with the idea. We're walking the parking lot for two, three months. Um, I, had a, I had a hard part in the beginning because he had brought somebody else in on our normal walks. And I'm like, all right, whatever. Don't know who this person is, why he's walking with us. But essentially, he was supposed to be a third partner. And then I had to have the tough conversation before we even had a company that there is no third partner. So I, <laughs> yeah. Next thing you know, one day I get to work. We didn't even talk about when we're starting this. My friend's like, hey, uh, he wasn't at work. So I'm like, yo, where are, you, where, where are you at today? And he's like, oh, we started today. And it was like August. And I'm like, well, I'm not quitting. I'm going to stay here for a bit uh, because I made a promise to the boss that I would stay longer. Um, I promised my boss that I would hit my fourth quarter. Like I ended up having the conversation like, like right before October uh, that I was going to be quitting right around mid-September. And then my boss said, hey, hit your fourth quarter numbers, and then I won't even try to convince you to stay. So I hit my fourth quarter numbers just by mid-October. And I'm like, I'm out of here. He's like, take take a, take your vacation time, and, and and I won't hold you back. Just send me a letter of resignation, and off you go. I'll wish you the best. Um, they didn't awesome. know what I either. Yeah, so I, I ended up – what I ended up doing is I ended up latching on something that I saw missing at, at Realtor.com. Um, and what it was is like we would sell all these products and services because the market was wild. It was it was hot. And anybody who just got a real estate license should have been doing fairly well at that particular time before the crash. So they would buy anything to get ahead. And um, what they didn't know how to do is use any technology. They didn't know how to use anything we, we used. So I started asking them, saying, hey, if there was a virtual assistant service or a company that would actually just do all this work for you when you bought the product and you got a listing, you got a property, they would just optimize it, add the multiple pictures, put in the MLS, put it on your website, design anything you need to design. Would you pay money for that? So we just said, hey, what if you, would you pay 100 bucks a month? Would you pay 150 a month? So we're just kind of just saying, like, what would they right. even um, And then we just started asking the clients. And then next thing you know, um, that was us. We became the virtual assistants. Like the minute I walked out the door, I called 10 people and I said, hey, I got you a home. I just need to get a credit card number so we can start this, do, like optimizing what you already bought and make this work for you. And we'll show you how to pitch it to your clients. We'll show you how to pitch it in, in press releases and all kinds of good stuff. So we weren't, we were an ally. In fact, we were probably like, like better customer service than realtor.com's customer service because we all knew if, if you if any any client called customer service it was a credit they would just never ever try to save any clients at all if clients said hey i want i don't know how to do this and argued we just knew as salespeople we had to do our own customer service so when i started doing this i told the, the people at realtor.com and they started wait 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 wait, wait, wait. hold up hold up hold up, hold up. Okay. so i'm a salesperson at realtor.com and I make my commission based off of how much money is collected. And by the way, we were making 3% too, like nothing. Dang. Oh, <laughs> yeah. my gosh. Holy yeah. cow, man. Okay. So you're making nothing. And so if you have a problem, you sell a client, they have a problem. The customer service team is just like, all right, here's a credit on your account. 
Yeah, that was our interpretation of them because we got so many credits. So what we did as salespeople was give our personal cell phones and call us anytime they needed us because we already knew how to use it. And we'd also use that as an opportunity to teach them and then also maybe cross sell upsell. That's what, so like if somebody got a credit, like if the customer service people did a credit, does your commission get cut? Next month, yeah. Yeah, freaking blows, dude. Negative, yeah. Yo, what? That's wild. That, that sucks. I don't know what they're doing now. So, um, they're hopefully great. not that. Yeah, that was kind of the flaw in the commission system, and also um, the 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 customer service side. Just because, I mean, our solution was don't call them, call us. We're the front line for you. We're your first point and last point of contact. Um, that was what we ended up doing. Yeah. Well, it's always the problem when you've got customer service that's separate from the person that sold it, because then you have the cut. The person that sold it was just. All they want to do is try to make the buck and the customer service people have no financial incentive to do anything. Yeah. I mean, then you found trends of who would be talking to the people because you can see their names in the in the system. And we would just call them and say, hey, if you get my clients, transfer them to me. Don't take it. So we'd have to find <laughs> our ways around around certain scenarios just so we can kind of be optimized in our commissions. That's and wild. Clients. Yeah, that's wild. Huh? Interesting. OK, so you started this company. You've got sales and like you got people coming in. How long is it? How long is it before you've like replaced income and you actually feel like okay, this is actually going to work? Um, I would say like the first couple of weeks, uh, nice. just because we were calling like crazy. Like I mean, I can tell you how much we were calling. I mean, had we been smarter, we would have hired interns to do all the research and dog work because there was there was times where I mean we were literally sleeping in the office like four or five days a week just not sleeping, trying to find opportunities because we would go on the website, list out all the agents that had a specific product, put it on, on an Excel sheet, get their name, their email, their phone number, log it, and then just hammer the phones the next day. Um, so we're just kind of building out our pipeline the night before, calling all day, all night, and we're just playing the time zones from all the way from like New York, all the way backwards to Hawaii. Um, and that's kind of the tenacity we started with just because we were lucky enough to learn off cold calling. It just led us to believe that, Hey, this is the way to do things. Um, and, and that was kind of a, a blessing in disguise, if you will. Uh, but there was a pivotal moment that kind of changed the game for us. And it was about, I want to say like, I don't know, maybe six, seven months into the business. One of our friends at realtor.com referred us a client and the client just wanted something called a banner ad. And we did sell those. We just didn't design them at the time. Mm. And, um, and I'm like, yeah, of course we do that. And I'm like, tell me what you want. <laughs> right, right. And, right. Me. and I'm like, well, what would you like it to say? Anyways, taking all the information down. And I'm like, I didn't know what to charge. So I didn't know what they cost. So I'm like, hey, it just blurted out a good number. Sounded like $500. And she's like, no problem. And she gave me a credit card. And I'm like, very cool. And then I call, uh, we designed it. I just Googled the graphic designer, animated GIF, found some dude. He did it the same day. And I'm like, oh, shit, this is a little too fast. I can't really send it this quickly. So I, I just did a couple revisions back and forth, <laughs> a little tidier. Anyways, I gave the lady two options, and she loved them. She's like, I'm so floored by this. And I'm like, well, we do have a special. If you buy a couple more, we'll give you one free. So we're like, hey, if you buy it, pay $1,000 more, you get a third one free. So you'll now have four to rotate through the four quarters of the year. So you don't have the same thing going on all year. And then she did that. And we're like, okay, we like this. This is high Yeah, market. no kidding. <laughs> so we're like, refer us more business. And, and as it comes, that turns out, like um, the people we were using at the time, 
um, they were also being referred by by realtor.com so they had to refer three people at a time if they were going to refer people we were at the top of the list um, those guys were charging $35 we were charging 500 and we were using them to do our designs so <laughs> So the difference that led me to believe is that our, our ability to be able to offer phone support, customer service, be able to give the client the ideas and tell them what they need to say on their ads, what they shouldn't do and lead them versus let them lead us was, was the result of they were willing to pay a $475 difference where everything can just be all hands clean. They do it. They're the professionals. What they say goes. I don't have to think. And that was what, what happened because they had access to all the same people on that list of, of, of vendors. Okay. I think that right there is probably one of the most important lessons that a young business person can learn because there's this you know misconception of, well, if it only costs, like how am I going to upsell the difference or how am I going to find something for low and sell it for higher? Or like, why wouldn't the people go direct? It's like the people that, are buying from you are doing what they do best and they're outsourcing the rest and like they don't want to have to think about what it should say or all like like values created up here and then communicated out like anybody could go and learn photoshop and create a graphic design like they could have done it in-house the person buying them probably could have went and took a 300 graphic design course and figured out how to do it themselves but this idea of I send one email, I'm like, hey, this is what I need. Then you do the work and they're buying the value here. And then you're going and paying someone $25 or $35 to go fulfill on it. And you're getting paid on the difference. People don't understand how valuable that is. And people don't understand that companies and even small individuals, they will pay astro- like they'll pay massive amounts of dollars for certainty and massive amounts of dollars to not have to think. And if you're a big corporation, you're paying for speed, right? Like, I don't want to have to think about it. I send it off and that it takes me 10 seconds rather than 30 minutes. And my time is more valuable than $400, right? Like, whatever, cool. You do it and make sure it works. But if you're an individual, like, if you're just starting out, why, does, why do people buy courses? Why do people buy coaching? Why do I spend, I, I pay a mindset coach $60,000 a year, $5,000 every single month. And all we do is get on the phone for an hour at once a week. Like, why do I pay that? Because I'm paying for like certainty, absolute certainty that like, I'm not going to have to go through all the mistakes that everybody else has to go through. And when people understand that like almost all value is created here and communicated out, like it totally changes the game. I told wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, and it even gets better. Like uh, we, we ended up, this was an informal relationship. We just happened to be on a list as a recommended party. And then about three years later, or maybe four years later, I'm forgetting the year, but anyways, we, we ended up uh, getting a formal agreement uh, with realtor.com directly. So they became our first big client um, and that they outsource like graphics, copywriting, landing pages. This was pre click funnels too, uh, where we're doing everything in HTML um, and oh. all, all the cold calling and all the leads that we were, we were sourcing ourselves just by staying up all night. And when, when I say we stayed up all night, I'd probably say like my first, I don't know, eight or so years. Like I don't tell, I don't say anybody else to, to do this. It's not wise, but I was in my office probably at least three to five nights a week, not four to wow. five as before. Like I had a couch there for me to sleep and I'd wake up before the first employee came in. I'd go home at lunch and shower. 
Um, but we, but business was booming. I had to strike. I couldn't, I couldn't fall asleep on it. And with my mindset at that particular point in time, I was in like, uh, the fire hole. Like I was just in it all day, every day. So I wasn't thinking, go hire somebody to replace me. I was thinking if I don't hire, if I don't do this, it won't, I'll be replaced, uh, by realtor.com will find somebody else. So that was probably the, the learning lesson that, that I have from that relationship. But anyways, they ended up hiring us. And the, when I was in the meeting, I had to bring, uh, my dad and my, and my, at the time, my girlfriend, because I didn't have enough people to go into a meeting, um, with them. Cause I, I had my partner and I had split, um, and he went in a different direction. I actually got him a really good job somewhere else. Um, so it was just pretty much me and, and my girlfriend at the time, part-time. So she was still in school. So we go to this meeting and I come out of the meeting. They're like, Hey, we're going to give you about 30, uh, deals or 30 like ad campaigns per month. Um, can you handle it? And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, dude, I do that on cold calling alone every week. I'm like, I don't need, I'm like, yes, of course I can handle it. And like, Oh, we'll start in 60 days from now. So we can transition the other company out and get you in. So I was just thinking to myself, Oh, they had, I didn't even know they had somebody else. Um, so, so I'm just thinking like I'm replaceable. So now I just have to understand what are the pains that they, that they wanted me. Mm. But by the time I got to my office, which I'm, I was about three or four miles away from, um, and, uh, I had already had an order where they're like, Hey, fuck it. This, the, the, uh, the campaign we're starting instead of 60 days, we're starting now with you. Let's start the <laughs> transition process. So he gave me about 60 orders and I'm like, dude, how am I, how am I supposed to fulfill alone with you part time? So some dude that used to intern for me like three or four years before some young kid, he was like this arrogant kid, but he was moldable. I mean, he was fearless. And I was, I, I called him up and he, he worked at Amber Crombie and Fitch. I'm like, Hey, you don't, you don't work there anymore. You now work for me. He's like, well, I don't live in Westlake where I live anymore. So I lived like whatever, two hours away. I said, well, pack your shit, throw in a trash bag, <laughs> an extra bedroom. You're sleeping in that bedroom for a week. And then we can figure out where you're going to go from there. Thanks. You know, the dude lived with me for six years, by the way. <laughs> no way. Yeah. What? That's wild. Yeah. yeah. So, That's so, so funny. Yeah. We put together the, the craziest standard operating procedures. Like our turnaround time was anywhere between like seven to 10 days. And that was within the time capacity that they expected. Uh, we were able to clear their backlog very quickly. Um, and we just put like these specs or these SOPs in place. Um, and that allowed us to scale. And at some point, um, they were at, giving us about over a hundred orders per day. Um, and, yeah. and that turned into like a multi-million dollar per year deal, uh, for us. And we had very like l young people working for us and we just put them into a system. We just said, okay, you're going to take intake. You're going to do quality assurance. You're going to send the specs to the designer. When the designer sends it back, you're going to quality check it. Another person would send it to the client. Another person would call the client and ask them for approvals. And then that circle just turned into our little design power plant. Um, and that's how we were able to then ultimately get things down to under one day turnaround time where wow. they were, it helped their business grow because now they can sell more product and more units and then also sell off the basis of speed, efficiency, quality, and results. That's crazy. And and you said it was that about four or five years into your business when you got that client? Yeah. And that and that's the thing. I think people don't realize how fast things can change if you give it time. Like you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like overnight. Literally. 
I mean, leading up to that relationship, we weren't sitting on our hands either. So we spread out from real estate. Like we were working with anybody because now we because we we did some designs. Then we realized people needed logos. People needed letterheads back then. People needed envelope designs. So we would seed this and we're like, hey, well, you don't. I mean, you have no branding, you have no logo. So we started coming up with creative packages that just had crazy discounts. So it'd basically be a $5,000 package for 2,500 or 2,200. And then we would negotiate down if we needed to, because we knew our costs were pretty, pretty good. And we would sell something comparable, almost like a templated design over and over and over based on that industry. So they can have like professional materials. And I'd just tell them a simple story. I'll just say, Hey, like, you know how, when, when you send a letter out and sometimes like in that junk mail before you throw it away, something captures your attention in your eye and you just say, hey, let me look at that. Well, that's what we want to do for you. We want you to stand out. We want you to be the brand, whether they throw it away or not. They will remember you because you're the pause. You're the, you're, you're the second take, the pretty girl that walked by and you're just staring at. So that's what we want your material to look like. Would you be open to having that experience so your clients like you more? And then more often than not, they'd say yes. Mm. Yeah. So as you were scaling, were you relying primarily on cold calling to get clients? Cold calling and then referrals. We would ask people for referrals and we would almost like just, I don't want to be like, say we forced it, but we would be like, hey, I'm here. Can you give me like two people? Like, oh, I'm at lunch. I'm like, no problem. Just give me one then. Like we were just like, <laughs> yeah, we were like, we need, we need to grow. Like, and we had good, we were fun. Like we, we had good relationships with the people where they laughed too. Um, and uh, so, so yeah, we would just get, it was all cold calling, all referrals, but then we started to optimize our website. Like my, my family member of mine has a, a digital agency or a software development agency overseas. And my parents knew them from days in India and they hooked us up, like connected. So we're talking for a while and I'm like, Hey, help me rank high on, on search engines for keywords. And then we started off with our core, which was like at the time banner ads and designs. And then we went into like SEO and PPC and all that kind of stuff. So we started ranking really fast and we, we got a bunch of people finding us. Um, so that was another way where we got found. I mean, heck, we've even been found for like like graphic work from like NHL to MLB to Geico. So I mean, they've just found us solely on the internet. From, That's and, crazy. And then they get to see our work, and we didn't. We don't charge like a bomb anymore. Like we we used to have those huge margins. Things times have changed. Technology can do yeah, a lot. Yeah, for sure. So we adapted as well to kind of stay ahead. But but yeah, those are the those are the ways where we just kind of evolved as we got money. Um, I saved so much money early on that um, uh, I never spent it. Like I literally, I, I lived with my good friend. I even moved out of his house to move into my parents' house. And I was probably making more money than all my friends combined. Um, but I was just like, I, sa I saved everything. I never bought or spent anything anything lavish early in my career. Um, because Why? I didn't, you know what? It was just never my style, number one. Um, number two, I'm Indian. I think that's the way I was raised. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a nice car was a Toyota. So uh, I remember the day I, I rolled up in a Porsche to my parents' house. And I go, whose car is that? And I'm like, it's it's either mine or yours, but it's one of ours. <laughs> yeah. Do you know? Uh, do you know Joel Kaplan? Yeah, I, I don't know him personally, but yeah, I know him. Okay, yeah. I love Joel. I've had him on the show a couple of times. Actually, he just lives like. 30 minutes away from me here in Denver. Mm. Um, so we hang out all the time. It's great. He's so funny, but he's, um, he's Jewish, right? He has a, a Jewish background and, uh, like seven figures is like his trademark thing. Everything is like seven figures, seven figures, seven figures, seven figures, ceiling, everything like that. I asked him, I was like, dude, what's like your goal? And he's like, I just need $50 million in the bank. I was like, 
Joel, I was like, you make like a million dollars a month. I mean, I think that is what he's at right now. I mean, like he's like, he's killing it. And I was like, you've got more cash flow. You got more money. I was like, you drive. I think he drives. I think it was a Toyota. It's actually, I think it's what he has. He like just sold his house and like moved into a hotel so that he could like move into it like a cheaper place. And like all trying to cut costs. I'm like, what are you going to do with all your money? He's like, dude, until I have $50 million in the bank, my family's going to think I'm broke. We're Jewish. This is just what we do. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh. So I totally yeah. get that. It's not my, I mean, like, I'm not a flashy person. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not a, I'm not going to show off like, oh yeah, I've made money or like whatever. But like, I spend, I spend money on nice things. Like, I like, I'm a very simplistic person, but like, I have to have a nice car. Like, I have my, I have a Jeep Wrangler right now. And it's like, I mean, I dropped a pretty penny on that. We tricked it all out and put new wheels on it and lift kit and, you know, did out the inside or whatever. And um, the, the place where I live, like, I'm not someone that lives, like, I live way under what I make, but like, I'm not, I'm like, I'm not afraid to, or not, yeah, I'm afraid. Like, I spend money to make, like, make my life comfortable um, until I kind of fully live that. I'm wondering, though, did, do you think that the mentality of you saving everything, because I think, I think that's a really good mentality to have, especially early on, right? Because I wasn't always this way. I mean, it's really only been the last, like, year, year and a half when I'm like, okay, I, I do have some money, because I, I lived like that for probably three years. Like, at what point, at what point did you make the shift to be like, okay, I can actually spend money on myself now? And, like, do you think that it served you well that you lived frugally for so long? Yeah, I think it served me well because I always made like dis like strategic decisions. Um, I never overspent on anything. I never really, I mean, I gave up a lot in my, in my twenties to, to kind of live the lifestyle I can live now. So I kind of really projected for the future and I, I did have a number as well where I wanted to have not necessarily cash in the bank, but wealth. Um, because if I have cash in the bank, yeah, that's one thing, but if I can go leverage it and do something yep. with it, then I'm even better. So I, I bought real estate early. Um, I invested early. I took some calculated risks early. So those things all paid back. I mean, I've been lucky enough to not really have a negative kind of investment just yet. Um, knock on wood there. Yeah, but, no, for uh, real. <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, like, like, yeah. And th there are the times where I'll do stupid things where we'll, we'll have a crazy night or a weekend out somewhere special and spend dro drop more than some people may make in a year. Um, yeah. and I mean, I bought the nicest car I bought was probably just went to a dealership. had no intention to buy a car, walked out with a car. Um, and, uh, but outside of that, like, always, but like what type of car, like a nice car? Yeah, I bought a, a Carrera S911, a Porsche. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty so, penny. <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't cheap. Yeah. So, but yeah, but that was probably the. I mean, I'm back to my 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 Indian habits. I'm back to my Toyotas. I love those cars. They're they're durable. <laughs> yeah, so, but dude, you live in California, though. I live in California. Well, how, why or what part? I mean, it's like. So I work one of my one of my biggest clients, uh, Cashflow Tactics. They had this job. I mean, they do well teach people how to create wealth, right? Cash flowing, real estate, a lot of stuff like that. And uh, they have a formula for financial freedom for people that live in California. They're like, step one, move out of California. Step two, financial freedom, right? Yeah. Like, like that. So like, why there? You know what? I'm born and raised in the same city. Mm, okay. um, I've tried to leave. Trust me. Like I've taken vacations. I call my friends. I'm like, we're out of here. Fuck Cali. <laughs> and then next thing you know, like they're like, they're like, let's do it. Let's get a place. Let's find something. And I'm like, no, forget it. That was just the moment. I'm like, I'm born and raised here. My family's here. My best what friend. city. It's a city called Westlake Village. It's pretty small. It's outside of. I mean, the closest milestone to it is like. 
Calabasas, where the Kardashians are from, that's about 15 minutes, and Malibu is about 20 minutes away for the water. So it's a nice place. Uh, but yeah, I've been born and raised. Like my friends mm. from kindergarten live here still. So that's like, awesome. Yeah. So it's like a, we've known each other since like we're we're in diapers. So it's hard to leave. And it's got the emotion. It's got my family. And so you're willing to pay the stupid taxes. Um, I have willing. I got to make more to pay more, right? <laughs> I guess, man. I just like I have some friends in California, and like we'll meet up, and they'll tell me about their tax bill, and I'm like, oh, oh like. Like, oh, I could fund a whole another lifestyle on how oh, much yeah. additional taxes, not just the taxes, the additional taxes they pay that, you know, are more than it. Although I did, I just did move to Colorado and I've been, I've been pretty good. Like I lived in Indiana, which the, the, the sales tax there is really low. Um, and so like I've paid relatively low taxes most of my life. I just moved to Colorado, which is the highest state that I've ever, like the highest tax state. And that's still way below California. I can't imagine living there, dude. Yeah, it's like a legal mafia. It's a good place to visit. Stay, stay where you're at. <laughs> yeah, it cools down too much for you. Come out here. It's sunshine year round. Yeah, and I have fam. I have uh, like my grandparents um, live out in California. They live in Claremont, um, okay. which is kind of like suburb of L.A. Um, yeah, and I have, for me. Uh, yeah. So I have a, a couple. I have a couple of um, relatives out there. My uncle owns a company out there, and they're out there. And then um, uh, I'm trying to think who else. Oh, one of my my other uncle. Uh, he's, um, a doctor, but like a specialist, like he's been in it his whole entire life and they live up in the high desert. Um, they used to be in Pasadena, but they're up in the high desert now. And he's up there. And I mean, they're, it's so funny. Cause he's like, I think he's like top, he's an OBGYN. Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's like top one or two in the whole country. I mean, he makes stupid money. Right. Mm-hmm. But he's like the most frugal, like penny pincher dude that you would ever meet. Right. Like drives a Toyota, right? Like, you know, kind of like what you're talking about. And so it just goes to show you just cause you make a lot of money. doesn't mean you got to spend it. Yeah, I know. Like some of the like richer people I know, I mean, you would never know that they even worked past like a KFC chef. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, the way they dress and act and whatnot, I mean, very, very modest. I mean, like I, I always joke around saying if they don't sell the clothes at Costco, I really don't wear it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a, so I like Walmart. Like yeah. Walmart's probably my favorite store. Um, I got so I got engaged recently, and um, <laughs> thank you, I appreciate it. And so my fiance was like, "All right, like we're gonna go. Like we gotta get engagement pictures, but there is absolutely nothing in your wardrobe <laughs> that is acceptable." And so I was like, "Oh, so we had to go shopping. We went shopping at J Crew, uh, or uh, no, not J Crew, Banana Republic, Banana Republic, yeah. right?" And like got all tricked out or whatever. I was like, "I think this is the most amount of most I've ever spent on a pair of jeans before." Like, you know what I mean? It's like a hundred bucks for a pair of jeans. I'm like, I'm used to the thirty dollar ones. I can find a you know discount at Tractor Supply or something. You know what I mean? Totally. So anyway, okay. Um, so I want to kind of bring it, bring it back to to sales. One of the like the single biggest thing that I hear from people is like, I don't know where to get leads. Right. And I think there is a, and I know you talk, you, you did a lot of cold calling, a lot of referrals, but I want to kind of get a little bit more tactical on that because I mean, I'm, I'm good friends with Russell. Russell is the man, right? Like Russell Brunson and click funnels changed the game of internet marketing for sure. Right. Um, however, I think Russell has this like superpower to make everything just sound so easy. Right. <laughs> and so I think there's like this like misconception. If you just like build a funnel, like people are going to come. Right. Or if you, um, you know, if you set up your business that like magically, if you have a good product and he kind of addresses that in his book, Traffic Secrets. But like 
everybody I talked to is like, I've got a product or I've got, you know, I've got my webinar, I've got this, but like, I don't have leads. I don't know where to find people. I don't know where to get traffic. So like for someone that's just starting out, particularly that person that is maybe in, in internet sales more, more so, right? A service-based business or a digital product-based business. They've got a thousand dollar product, $5,000 product, $10,000 product, you know, somewhere in that, I don't want to say that high ticket, although that's, people call that high ticket. And I'm like, high ticket is like 50 or hundred thousand plus that's high ticket. But anyway, so like that, that, you know, couple thousand to 10 or $20,000 range. And they're like, where do I go find the clients? Right? Like, where do I actually go? And even if I have to cold call me, if I have to DM, I'm like, where do I find them? Like, what advice would you give to that person? Well, I mean, early on, I mean, I looked at it as strategic relationships. Like, even though I didn't necessarily have a formal relationship with, with realtor.com early on, um, I've had many more since then. And that's the source of the majority of my income is through partnerships or referral based um, businesses and alliances. So I'll just go like the, the realtor.com example, the, what led me to get the head honcho and the big CEO to want to even sign with us is because I started at the bottom up. If I started the top down, there's no way this relationship would have worked. Mm. So I went to the sales floor. I found their pain. I found their bottleneck. Their bottleneck is customer service is not as good as I can be. They're going to get chargebacks. Their commission is going to be coming out the following month. So it's short-lived. And we they didn't have a resource that can fulfill a service or a void in what they had. So I created a service around that. And then I went after it. So one hit a pain point that a partner may even have. So if your solution is supplemental to help them make more money and more sales, you can find a partnership. So for example, I'm selling SEO. I would go to web design software companies and I'll say, hey, you guys have an amazing real estate website platform with an IDX. You guys have an amazing lawyer website platform with automated reviews from clients. What if we were able to work together? Because naturally, they're probably going to ask for marketing help. What if you were able to refer to me and I was able to refer to you when people needed websites because then we can be more to each other because there are companies that do both and we don't want to be like prey to their business. Mm. We don't want a company to say, hey, well, why wouldn't you just work with one shop? So that's what we started doing and we would just get laid down referrals. We get a referral for a client and then it wasn't a matter of like how much do we charge? It's the first steps are like, hey, I need to rank. I need to do this. My competition that the pains are already coming out because we had built in trust. So if you can put together, like Russell, you mentioned Russell Brunson, he talks about the Dream 100. If you put your Dream 100 together of strategic partnerships, went to Google, went to the Inc. 5000 list, went to the top podcasters that can get you in front of that space, or authors on Amazon or whatever book clubs there are out there, and just start writing them down and just start reaching them. Because, I mean, I don't read a lot of books, but I remember I was at Barnes & Noble when they were open still. And uh, I just was, I had this book on Twitter and I never really figured out Twitter. So I'm like, fuck it. Let me just read a book. And I went to the back and like I did, I just flipped to the back and just didn't read the book, but I saw the author's Twitter handle. So I took a picture of the book, tweeted him. And his I think his name was Dave Evans. And I just said, Hey Dave, happy Sunday. I'm just reading your book. Here's a picture of it in case you didn't know. And I was just joking around and the dude just, and I just had a Twitter battle right back and forth or a conversation, not a battle. But he's just like was nice enough to say, hey, if you ever need any help, here's my number. Just give me a call. So my point being is these Dang. people need to be called. These people are not getting bombarded as much bombarded as much as you think. Um, I think just picking up the phone and coming up with a creative angle in is the first step. Um, and then from there, I mean, you have everybody on Facebook literally telling their life story. I mean, it comes in like 
like chapters of stuff going on and it's in groups and you see when somebody writes a real cool post about how i made seven figures in blah 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 years or less than two days or whatever it may be you can see all the people commenting below that now you don't read what they're commenting those could be ideal customers for you i mean i've picked off people in in i i, I stick to a niche and i make niche-based marketing graphics so when i see those opportunities i can immediately respond back so i look like i'm the authority in the space and in some cases i may have a better resume than the other 20 30 40 people that are going to reach out to that person and sometimes when i see those comment threads going wild i'll sit here and look at one of my the guys that works for me and i'm like hey let this get to like 30 or 40 then let's reply and then let's watch he'll will be the only person he replies back to because we're just going to have a better message so so the the point being is uh, be empathetic to the needs understand the pains of what your ideal customer could be having find a way with a, a foot in the door so you can open up a conversation so you can have a joint venture so you can refer business back and forth that's mm -hmm. one way that can lead to even more more money together that could be a way to start the relationship with no threat no no kind of like uh let's say partnership implied it's a contractor contractee relationship where if you give one you get one it doesn't really matter um, and then as you get a happy customer make sure that they do some sort of video or commentary and even ask them say hey do you mind sending an email to that company that referred us copy me in and just talk about how lucky you are to have been referred so then they get happy and then are motivated and inspired to reform more business mm. that's the first thing if i had no clients right now is what i'd do i'd go find strategic partnerships around a pain i can solve for hmm. i like that a lot and i think um like utilizing the power of social media, like social media is, uh, some, someone says probably a year ago or so, like uh, the DM is the new cold calling, right? And like in a way it is, except for the fact that it's like, you have an unlimited supply. My, one of my favorite places um, to tell people to go get like clients is in other people's Facebook groups. Is like, if you're looking for leads, like you were, you know, you were talking about, like, Go join 50 Facebook groups that all you know might have your ideal customer in there. Start po posting value content and then start engaging in the comment section of other people's posts with just value. And like, if you do that every single day for three months, it's impossible not to be like in a different place than you are right now, right? Because like you learn how to speak to those people, you learn how to engage with those people, you learn how to get like what they're, you know, what they're looking for, what their pain points are. Like, like the reason I know it, and my market is primarily the click funnel space. Right. Like mm -hmm. ClickFunnels is a company, but like there's really the ClickFunnels market now. Right? I mean, it's, it's big enough, you know, to this point. And it's like the reason that I know so well the ClickFunnels space is like <clears throat> first I consumed all Russell's content. Then I made posts in his Facebook group all the time. Then I started working with his clients. Then I started engaging with them. Then they asked me to speak. Then I'm, you know, in there speaking to their people. Then I'm putting out content and getting feedback. Then I'm emailing to them. Like I know like the back of my hands. I'm like, I know what lingo they use. I know what their pains are. I know what's, I know how to write posts to get them to engage a certain way. But it's like, I've been doing it for four years, right? And like, when you do that, like I've, it's so funny. Just, I mean, just this year and, and re recently, like the, the second half of this year, have I gotten into paid advertising, right? I've grown over 6 million followers on social media for clients, right? All organic. And people are like, how the heck did you do that? I'm like, because like, if you just do nothing except spend time with your ideal customer, like it's pretty, it's not actually that difficult to learn. Like by default, you just start to learn the lingo. And then if you just have the confidence and the, and, and the, the skill set and like the knowledge of how to go communicate to them effectively, it's like you can print leads on demand, you know? 
Oh yeah, hundred percent. Organic is is incredible. I mean, there's such a great way, like you just mentioned, groups are a great way friending people in your ideal customer every single day. When somebody accepts you, have a nice little message going out. When when you accept somebody, have a message going out. So it's not super canned. It's not like you're you're not trying to like jump down their throats. You're having a natural conversation because I think with with all this automation and like LinkedIn and all these platforms. Oh, LinkedIn is the worst. <laughs> they, it's uh, <laughs> I like LinkedIn by the way, but but um, okay, yeah. the automation <laughs> on LinkedIn is the worst. <laughs> oh, automation, yes, yeah, it, it can be. I mean, th those are where we have some generic messaging going out. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, but it's led us to some good accounts for our business. Uh, we just look at it as a volume play for us. Um, but yeah, I mean, just being human with people, just like Josh mentioned, spending time with them. I mean, that's really what it gets down to. Is is like imagine going to like uh, a party and you're you're meeting complete strangers, then all of a sudden you have the time of your life because you're connecting with like 10, 12 people, and people are like, oh, Josh, come kick it over here. Hey, you got to meet Sally. You got to meet Joey. Like that's when you know you have a good message. You're likable, right. charismatic. But then when you get like one-liners or ghosts or whatnot, that's when you know you need to kind of pivot. Just be able to like look in the mirror and just say, hey, my shit's not working. And, and I said before when I was cold calling, I would just pretend I was not myself because uh, Rahul didn't get hung up on, Robert did. So like I would always just go out as an actor, mm. I was just kind of practicing lines so I could get my confidence up. And then once I was more confident, then I was just, it was just natural. Um, and same thing with DMing. It's okay if people ghost you or mean to you or whatever it is. Um, I mean, we're all trying to, you're, you're trying to prospect. So um, just keep going, keep trying, try new messages. And I mean, heck, hire, hire a coach to help you kind of shorten the gap if you, if yeah. you to do so. So I want to kind of wrap it up with this. Um, specifically on sales calls, though, one of the things that you mentioned, you know, you said you basically were an actor, right? One person, if you got hung up on, you were the one person, but if it worked, oh, there was this, and that's awesome. One of the things that you said earlier was, you know, a lot of times clients, you know, like, what do I say to where I can control the conversation? The client's not trying to like run me over and like things like that. I think one of the big misconceptions, at least that I've seen with people on sales calls is like, they're afraid of being pushy or they're afraid of offending somebody or like, you know, trying to be too aggressive to move the conversation along or they're not sure what to say. And in my experience, I have found overwhelmingly that when I control the conversation. The person on the other end of the phone is more comfortable. And it's like, I th always think of myself, like if I was entering, like if I was getting on the phone with somebody and I was the buyer, right? If they were trying to sell to me. How awkward is it when you get on the phone and you're like, well, I don't really know when this conversation starts. I don't really know like, like what the layout is or how this is going to go. Like the very first thing that somebody needs to do is be like, all right, awesome. Here's a, you know, Here's the structure. Here's how it's going to go. Here's what we're going to accomplish. Let's get started. Right. And like everybody just feels better at that point. And like, I feel like that person needs to be you. And I'm curious to know your thoughts on like, what would you tell somebody about controlling the conversation and how would you encourage them to understand? Like, that's actually a, like you want to do that and your customer wants you to do it too. Yeah. So let's just say you did do a cold call um, and now they're receptive to listening to you. Now I would kind of transition your mindset to like, this is a warm lead now. So the source is now irrelevant. Now imagine if you walked into the doctor's office and the doctor did not lead you down the path of, hey, do I have a broken wrist? Do I have a fractured wrist? Do I have like just just a small like like swell, swelling to it? So same thing with you guys. They're obviously on the phone because you said something that you may have a solution to their problem, their pains. So now you're going to dig deeper. You're going to figure out like if you're selling 
doing SEO, you may say, hey, well, the reason for my, my call was that you're not ranking on page number one or two or even three. Heck, I don't know where you're ranking because people don't pa go past those pages. I'm assuming that intention, that is not intentional. Is that correct? Okay. Now, do you realize that if you're on page one, you can get more patients with your dental and emergency implant service because I noticed that you have a high ticket. It says you have a special that's $2,500 per tooth, which is significantly lower than the average in the marketplace. Would you like to sell more of those? So it's kind of like you dig into the pain of like, what are you mm. doing for marketing? Like what, like, because chances are they're not doing much. They're probably using like a, a dental software that does reviews and includes like bulk based, bulk made content for every one of their clients. That's all the same, just repetitive stuff. And then you can start poking holes into things slowly, but surely. Um, and the goal of conversation number one is just to know the lay of the land. Really, mm. you can almost transition, transition to conversation number two on the same call if you have their attention. It just uh, yeah, their attention. If you if you know the industry well, like like restaurant owners or dentists, just know their time frame that they have availability. So you're gonna want to know like, hey, are you gonna get cut off in ten minutes because they have a lunch break, or is today their full day off where they're focused on business development, or heck, maybe they just don't work focus on anything and it's family time. So you'll just want to know what time you have. Yeah and the urgency they have to want to solve the problem. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you want to write a script of questions that you have in your arsenal, kind of like Tom Brady. He has on his wrist, he has a book of plays right there. So at any given point in time, he can audible. Yeah. So while he prepares better than any athlete in the world for his craft, and, and now he has the results of being the best quarterback to ever exist, um, he's still prepared with his checklist. He still goes down, and you see when he goes on his knee, he's pulling out his secondary and third plays when play number one is going to bust apart once he sees something. So he has his audibles. Same thing in sales. Just have a framework of a script, something very, very simple, um, and then feel free to pivot based on answers and have a natural conversation, kind of like Josh and I are having. There may be a structure between like how a podcast gets done and some key questions, but all of this has been unscripted, all natural. A question leads to a question. Um, and I think that's really kind of the key to having a good cold call sale experience is just breaking down the pain, expanding it deeper, why that pain exists, yeah. uh, what their intention is, to, like when do they want to solve it, and then also the consequences if they don't solve it. Will they never be able to get to page one? Will it be too competitive on Facebook? Will the Facebook auction marketplace put them into one of those categories where they're not allowed to advertise? because yeah. it's medical. So like those are the things and the consequences of inaction that they may foresee that leads to a pain that they've you've exposed in your questions. Awesome, dude. I really, really appreciate that. I think that was super, super helpful. And I think we're going to wrap it up there. I appreciate your time coming on. I know you said you wanted to give something away uh, at the end. You want to dive into that a little bit and uh, yeah. where people can get that. Yeah, totally. So it's my seven figure funnel map. This is what I've used to like literally go on Zoom meetings. I record like a lot of calls like to train my people on just this one slide alone that you don't necessarily need this huge deck or pitch process or whatnot. It just takes like good questions with a client that wants to change and guiding them through the process. This is the transition where I've exposed their pain and I'm walking them through my process. And this is where I help contrast myself from other agencies out there. Um, if you're a marketing agency, this will be more helpful for you. If you own any other business, you can download and look at it and see how you can put together some sort of visual for your client and, and, and speak to it as if they're in fifth grade. They're in a, it's a simple mindset. We don't want to turn yeah. anything complex on in their brains. Otherwise, we'll lose them for life. So you can grab that. There's a video that you can watch on it, too. Um, if you go to customcreatives.com 
forward slash win. That's W-I-N. You can grab a copy. There's no opt-in required. It's, it's the yellow button right at the top of the page. Awesome. Guys, we will link that down below. You can go and check that out. Customcreatives.com slash win. It's on his hat. Customcreatives.com right there slash win. Appreciate it, my man. Dude, thank you so much for coming on. This was a great conversation and uh, lots of lots of nuggets people can pick up from this. So thank you so much for your time. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Guys, as always, hustle, hustle. God bless. Do not be afraid to think different because those of us that think different are going to be the ones to change the world. Guys, sales are possible. Success and entrepreneurship is possible even right now. You can make enough money to live in California. It's, it's possible. I promise you guys. I love you all. I'll see you on the next episode. Take it easy, fam. Peace.